Is this thing on? Okay, we're getting the thumbs up from our producer. Thank you. 1227 PM CDMXST, the rebirth of Normancito back in the capital city, back to where it didn't all start here. Didn't all start here at all. It started long before Mexico City was was even in my on my to-do list, but it has become one of my favorite cities. And I share that opinion with our sister station. We have yet to walk these streets together, but that's something to look forward to, of course, when we have both pairs of boots on the ground looking for El Abuelito, and we're looking for you to fill the rest of the boots, you listeners out there. Get your boots strapped up. We do not provide boots here. We do not provide boots here on Searching for Grandpa. It's a bring-your-own-boot sort of thing, but we're happy to have you on the ground with us as well. Um, we need all the help we can get. I feel rejuvenated. I feel ready to broadcast, you know, shake that rust off. Uh, it's been a while, but I'm happy to be back in Mexico City. It's blustery. It's a little, a little colder than I remember it. Cloudier, that's for sure. And chillier, all things that start with C, as does the city. CDMX, Ciudad de Mexico. And it's, it's an interesting one. It's a, it's a huge, ginormous monster of a city but it's it's really enjoyable i'm happy to be back is that why i feel rejuvenated or is it because last night was my first night of you know normal sleep since late last week you know i had a streak of of just bad nights bad bad nights filled with covid coughs not my own coughing but a neighbor i could hear her through the wall coughing every five seconds and that night i also was play there was a plague a plague of mosquitoes it it reached biblical proportions proportions it really did i was absolutely distraught the whole night hearing feeling mosquitoes on my face i mean i have i have mosquito bites on my face you can visibly see i've been torn up by mos mosquitoes always love me we we know that i'm the i'm the human mosquito repellent if you're having an event hire me I'll just stand there, attract all the mosquitoes. Everyone else will be bite-free. That's a guarantee. That's a Normancito guarantee. But I was, I was really destroyed the two nights that I stayed in what was, besides the mosquito plague, infestation, an absolute infestation, a beautiful hostel in a, in a beautiful city. Uh, it's a shame I had to leave early due to the mosquito, uh, you know, it being a mosquito mansion. And that was in Querétaro. You know, I think my last broadcast was probably from, um, was it from my hangover state? And the day after, I believe it was. That was Ciudad Valles. And the famous Huazteca Potosina. Um, and of course I went there hoping to kind of chill. Um, at this point I've been a little bit tired of waterfall tourism. And unfortunately I went to a place that's the capital of waterfall tourism in all of Mexico. So. Um, besides my night out with the narcos, um, that, that mujer, that woman that wanted to dance and, and simultaneously make out with me, which I did notice. Oh yeah, it was very noticeable. And thank you for, uh, referencing that ET. Um, I did send over a video and it will be up on Instagram any day now. Pixelated, of course, to protect my identity, protect all of our identities. Of course, we care about you as well, but it was, and even when it's pixelated, You'll be able to see viewer and listener. Now the listener becomes the viewer. That's what we do. We're multimedia personalities here. Uh, we've got lots of different formats, but it was, it's hard to miss that this woman is trying to kiss my neck, my face, my mouth, anything. She'd kiss anything. Um, and I, I did, I was acutely aware of that and acutely uh, interested in avoiding that situation. Um, did like to dance. I do like to dance. We know that. We know that. And that was, you know, I requested one of those songs. In fact, it was one of my favorite cumbias. Era feliz con su matrimonio, aunque su marido fue el mismo demonio. Ramito de Violetas. It's a great song. And it's fun to dance. I love it. I love singing the words. But I don't want to be uh, borderline sexually harassed by this girl who, I mean, she was, she was all over me. She was all over me, and I don't think I'm special for it. You know, everyone she was dancing with, she was all over. She was very handsy that night, and maybe it was just her handsy night. Maybe it was her, just her handsy night, and we don't want to shame her in any way. You know, she was feeling she was feeling the vibe. She was probably feeling that fucking song. Oh, is this Ramito de Violetas? This song turns me on. Who requested this? You requested this? That turns me on even more. Let's go. 
Let's go, Green Geetho, to the dance floor. So I, I have a lot to get into, mostly because of my long absence, um, and I want to update you on exactly what's been going on in my life. I do. Um, I sent over an audio to our sister station of a very interesting, a very, very, this is, a, this is potentially another reason I feel rejuvenated today. I walked back from the gym, as I'm accustomed to, you know, I, I go to the gym in the morning, get my pump on, you know, get it out of the way. Went back to the hostel, which is a hostel that I had stayed at in the past and had uh, a strange encounter. In fact, I stayed at this hostel with DB the night that DB missed her bus. Intentional or not, you be the judge. She missed her bus to Guadalajara and she stayed the night and she ended up staying about seven more nights with yours truly as well. Um, that all happened in this very hostel. And we did meet a character in that hostel as well who was having, a, uh, we don't want to get into it, he was having a mental breakdown. And um, the owner had really no, no clue what to do. Um, it was the same owner that as this, the, the mentally ill guest was saying that he wanted to go up to the girl's dorm the guy said, no, you cannot, because that's the girl's dorm. Um, this guy just brazenly defied that rule and went up to the girl's dorm. And that was where DB was. And that's who he was trying to pay a visit to. And as he was doing that, the owner was just talking to me, talking to me about different places. And I, you know, I did say, ah, I think uh, he's, he's, he's going up to the girl's dorm. You know, he is. He said, yeah, well, you know, uh, what can you do? So... This guy doesn't really have the best, uh, a lot of talk, a lot of talk, but, but no discipline. He was lacking discipline, and he repeatedly referred to his own hostel as the best hostel in Mexico. He said his grandmother invented the first hostel in Mexico City, something like that. I said, uh, once again, a lot of talk, a lot of talk, but I'm not seeing it put into practice. And last night I wasn't either, but I did have another strange, uh, you know, coming back from the gym is is where I had another encounter with a couple strange guests. And they were in my dorm. They were the only two guests in my dorm, and they were arguing. They were arguing about what appears, what appears to have been a confrontation um, due to one of them. They were both, I think, English blokes. You know, we refer to English. We don't say English people. We don't say Englishmen. We say English blokes, as is the normal vernacular. And our, our queen who's tuning in will... Your Majesty, you can, you can nod your head to that. We know English blokes and blokuses. I think that's the, the feminine version. Uh, but they were arguing about one of them doing his conference call from the dorm at around 10 a.m. He was doing a conference call in the dorm while the other was was trying to sleep, and it was a fascinating, fascinating argument that I I did have the audacity and the, the slyness, really, to record for our listening pleasure. So I sent that over to our sister station. Um, we might be able to get it on Instagram to see whether we can, you know, hostels are a fascinating environment. They really, really are. And this was a, a great little argument that they had. They both called each other sociopaths, which I thought was great. Um, they, at one point, agreed to, they both kind of said they didn't want to argue anymore, but they, each one wanted the final word, which is, I think, a pretty common uh, archetype in these arguments. I think a lot of people are always trying to get that final word in. So um, they both kind of said, I'm done talking, and then, but they both wanted to say that last. So one of them said, this, well, this conversation's over. And then there was about two seconds pause, and the other one said, no, it's not. <laughs> Didn't have anything else to say. Uh, so he, he couldn't really continue the argument but he could refuse to allow it to end, which was very interesting. Um, so that kind of put a little wind, wind behind my sails. I do like to get all that hostile material. I soak it up, I soak it up. You know, if you wanna, if you wanna be a, you know, writers, Stephen King, Isabella Allende, Stephen Hawking, those are just some, some, some of the big names, some of the big names. If they want to get some motivation, inspiration or just a, a place to to really put the pen to paper the ink to paper 
a lot of times you hear about them going up to, I think Stephen King really likes to go to New Hampshire, a cabin in the New Hampshire forest somewhere without any distractions where he can just tap away on his, on his little keyboard, typewriter, whatever he uses. Isabel Allende, I think she goes to, uh, you know, she's Chilean. She might go to the Patagonia, somewhere isolated, somewhere where she can just be one with her, her literature. If you want to be a comedian, where do you go for material? You go to hostels. You go to hostels and you will have an, un, an endless source of, of characters that will present themselves to you. You just have to be willing, you know? You have to have that open mind and you have to see it when it comes up. I mean, two weeks ago or so, when I was in the Huazteca Potosina in the capital, San Luis Potosi, remember that's, that's his full name, that's the saint's last name, Potosi. It's not where he's from. It's not San Luis de Potosi, San Luis Potosi. I don't know where he's, where he's from. Um, the saint's always like, where are you from, by the way? I, yeah, I've been all over the place. I, and he asked the other saints, what's your last name, by the way? I don't have a last name. I'm from Hidalgo. I'm from, uh, you know, De Las Casas. I'm from Las Casas. Oh, San, San Cristobal. Where are you from? De Las Casas. What's your last name? I can't remember. I hit my head back there. I, 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 last name. What's yours? Potosi. Oh, that's a cool one. But where are you from? I guess I've been a little bit of everywhere. So an interesting, uh, an interesting place, but it's the capital of the state by the same name, San Luis Potosi. I met a man there. He was probably in his 60s. He uh, immediately was an attention grabber. I believe he was also an attention seeker. Sometimes you can be one or the other. He was looking for attention and he received it. You know, he was wearing a crazy amount of tie-dye robes and wild hats. And I mentioned this to our sister station. Um, he was from California and he almost immediately said that he said, oh, I'm retired, I'm retired, but uh, I'm a wizard, I'm a wizard. He self-identified very seriously as a wizard. Um, his name's Robert, you know? Don't call him Bobby, that's immature. Don't call him Bobby the wizard. I'm an old man, are you kidding me? Don't call me Bobby, I'm Robert, I'm mature. Oh, and, and what are you, Robert? I'm a wizard. I'm not sure if you, I, I'm very, I'm a, I'm a staunch proponent for this sort of self-identification uh, the way of looking at ourselves, our identities, you know, identity is a complex thing. It's a very complex thing, and especially in terms of gender, sexual orientation. I am very much uh, a proponent of this idea that some people are not binary, and male or female isn't good enough to describe how they consider themselves. That's, that makes sense to me. That makes sense to me, but when we start self-identifying people as mythical creatures, I mean, a wizard, he's a wizard. How are you a wizard, you know? And if you're gonna choose a mythical creature, why don't you choose something a little more, a little more dope, you know? Uh, a Pegasus or, you know, he could be a fairy, I'm a fairy. You know, you don't hear an older man, he, I'm a wizard, okay, well, he also was a staunch, uh, I'm saying staunch a lot, staunch. He was talking about how he's done well with money because he, he does a money spell. He went into his money spell a bit. I think we also have that on tape for your listening pleasure where you can, I don't know if I can legally say this live on Spotify FM, eh? I'm sure I, I might be, I might be censored. I might be censored because the establishment doesn't want to, doesn't want people to know that if you take a $20 bill, you cross out where it says United States of America. And if you're doing this in, in, in the UK, if you're a listener from the other side of the pond, cross out where it says Great Britain or whatever it says on your, on your pound note, your 20 pound note and put the bank of Merlin. That's what he said. All you have to do is put the Bank of Merlin and then just hang that on a wall and you will, money will come to you. Money will come to you. For him, it's coming to him in the form of unemployment because, of course, I guess it might have been that same day that he did the money spell. He also applied for unemployment and he's been getting $600 from the state of California for about a year and a half now. So 
it's been working for him. We're not sure if it was the money spell or the unemployment application, what was really working for him, but uh, that was Robert. Not Robbie, not Bobby, not Bob. Robert, please. He's a grown man. The wizard's advice to, to get money. Um, that was actually the same hostel. I had a bit of an argument at that hostel, and you might be noticing a trend here, um, and I do want to discuss it on today's show. I have been not only a little tired of looking for Grandpa, on my own, south of the southern border, but I've been tired of, of not having my own headquarters. I've been staying in hostels now since DB has gone south of the southern border of the southern border to Guatemala. Ever since then, since we broke things off, I've been staying in, in dorms. And not only are dorms unsafe because of COVID, which was a huge concern before coming down to, to Mexico, a huge, huge concern. I mean, I'm unvaccinated. I'm unvaccinated and I'm staying in dorms. How dare I? And that was a huge concern. Not a concern anymore for whatever reason. There's some sort of psychological and, and maybe psychologists in 20 years will talk about the pandemic and the series and, uh, you know, the series of psychological, um, you know, positions slash phases that many people have gone through, you know, I've been, and I, I, I'm not a, I'm not a denier. I'm not an anti-vaxxer. I'm very pro-vax. I can't wait to get a vax, a jab in that arm when I get back. Me, I, I might do it in California. As soon as I get to Cali, that might be my first stop. Dose one in the CVS or Walgreens. I'm very happy to hear that it's so widely, readily available now in the United States. I can just walk in that day and get a, get a vaccine. Um, very excited about that. But there was some sort of mental switch that occurred where after not contracting COVID, despite having so many interactions with unmasked people and being unmasked myself, and I'm not sure if I have contracted COVID, I might have just been asymptomatic. And, uh, and let me assure you, listener, when I am with strangers and interacting in, in Mexican society, I am always masked because I would not want to put anyone at jeopardy in, in terms of the greater Mexican society. But when I'm talking about the traveler's circuit, where everyone's taking a risk willingly and unmaskingly, um, after so many of those interactions without, with those people and without symptoms, I kind of just accepted that. I mean, I, there's, I'm, I'm going to take the risk. I've accepted the risk. Um, but I'm more tired of dorms for other reasons. I'm tired of the sort of superficial um, traveler interactions, you know, the same old conversations, lots of people that uh, want you to know how special and cool they are. You get that a lot. Um, you get a lot of kind of weird people. That affects more usually women. A lot of times it's creepy dudes that, you know, would, would haunt old, old DB. Um, but I feel the effects of just weird people. You get people bickering, fighting, like in today's occasion, which I did like. I do have to admit, I did like. But, you know, hostels are... I'm about done with staying in hostel dorms. And I kind of had an, in, an altercation at one of these hostels. I stayed at this hostel in San Luis Potosí, the capital. Not De Potosí, San Luis Potosí. Um, and they asked me, I was in a bottom bunk. So was Robert the wizard and two other people. There were a total of four bunk beds. So eight beds in total. All the bottom bunks were, were at capacity. No one was in the top bunks. And one day after my first night, the, the volunteer said to me, oh, you actually, would you mind switching tonight to sleep in the top bunk, just the bunk right above you, bed right above you. And I said, why? Really? Why? He said, well, you know, there's already a reservation for, um, for your bed tonight. I said, what are you talking about? <laughs> Since when can you reserve a specific bed in a bunk? You reserve a bed in a bunk. You don't reserve a specific, oh, I need bed number three, the one that Normancito's currently in. He said, yeah, well, there's a guy who comes here every Thursday and He's a friend of the manager, and he needs his favorite, his favorite bed. I said, what? What's his favorite bed? He said, well, Robert the wizard's actually in his favorite bed. I said, okay. 
I said, so you need to move up to the bunk, the bed above you. Robert the wizard's gonna move to your bed and then this guy can have Robert the wizard's bed. I said, I'm sorry, what? You're asking two current guests to move beds, basically to check out, check back into another bed, you know, a different locker. My shit was everywhere on this bed. Just so a friend of the hostel can have his quote unquote favorite bed. Yeah, well, yeah. So this elitist, I, I, I kind of made a funk about this. I said, I think that's a little ridiculous. I, I mean, and not to mention more work for you guys. You have to change these sheets. And he's like, yeah, well, I know, but that's what I said. Okay, well, I, and I kind of joined, a, it was a, a wizard human alliance that I created with, with Robert the wizard saying, hey man, I think this is unfair. Do you got any spells for this? He said, ah, not specifically. I said, okay, well, if in the absence of spells, um, I think we should just say that, you know, it's kind of, kind of annoying. And so we said that and I ended up not switching beds. I don't know what happened. I didn't see this, the, the friend of the, the manager, he must've gone somewhere else. Um, their friendship wasn't greater than his, his feelings towards his favorite bed. I'm not sure what happened, but I ended up staying in this hostel. Um, this, this, this was a chain. It had one hostel in San Luis Potosí and one hostel in Gilitla, which I also went to after, after that little narco city, I went to Gilitla, which is a mountain town. Uh, really beautiful, of course, lots of waterfalls, um, a surrealist garden, which was very cool. Sir Edward James, I don't know what his name was, but he was the king's grandson, this rich Brit, um, went to Gilitla and decided to make his own Alice in Wonderland sort of surrealist sculptures. He was a big surrealist and had billions of dollars and pounds to him. So he made this garden. Very cool. Very cool. That was the one thing I went. I didn't, I, I didn't go to any of the, the waterfalls. You'll be, so, you'll be surprised to hear that. But there was only one hostel in that town. It was the same hostel as the, that bunk bed situation. So I stayed there. And the first night I was there, it, it was just me and volunteers. And this dorm was split down the middle. It was kind of like two different rooms. Um, I'm already 22 minutes in, 22 minutes, 22 seconds. Wow, I just saw that. Very cool, Andrea, make a wish. Um, this dorm was split into basically two little dorms and this place was hot as fuck. It was a very hot city. The dorms had very little ventilation and there was one fan. I was put into a bed in one room and the volunteers were in beds in the other room. Who got the fan? The volunteers. So I've, I, I obviously was on the blacklist of this hostel for creating that wizard human alliance that ultimately took down the, the, you know, the strategy of that manager and his friend to reserve every Thursday one specific bed. The second day at that same Helitla hostel, um, I was the only guest. The volunteers even left too. Two volunteers left for good. Two volunteers left to go camping. And it was just me and the guy who worked there. It was actually, he was, he was chill. He reminded me of my friend Juanda from, from Colombia, both in looks and in attitude. Very nice guys and very square shaped heads, but really good guys. Um, I wouldn't call him a square head or a square or anything like that disparagingly just descriptively, because that's the shape, it's literally the shape of their heads. You, you could pick them out of, you know, a line of 100 people. I said, well, can you find me the two guys who have square heads? Yeah, these two right here. You need them for something? No, I just, wanna, I just wanted them to kind of meet each other. Different countries, but same shaped heads. Um, so I hung out with this guy, and, you know, I've been having a problem recently, and I'm, I'm going to talk to my my shrink about it. In fact, we're scheduled for a Tuesday talk. I have a Wednesday flight. I'm doing a Tuesday shrink appointment because I'm afraid I'm becoming slightly cynical. Slightly cynical. Uh, very cynical, rather. You know, of course, I, I lived through some pretty um, horrifying situations in Colombia with my ex amor, formerly known as Wilmita, who I've been thinking about a lot. And I wouldn't say I'm, I'm not over that relationship. You know, I think about her and, you know, how much I loved her a lot, but I mostly think about her and how she is basically uh, the, the, the symbol for me of injustices. You know, this was 
an incredible young woman who had to live through trauma and, you know, horrific things. We won't get into detail. Um, just because she lived where she did, she's a little darker because she's a woman, all these systematic injustices and racism and classism and sexism, all these things. And she kind of embodies that for me. And of course, these are things that I've cared about for a long time, trying to, you know, learn about these injustices to better understand them, but to hopefully be able to do something to, to, to fix them or to, to do something to help. And I think I will feel my, and I know what my, my shrink is going to say. She's going to say, you'll feel a lot better when you feel like you're giving back, you know, when you're actually doing something to, to help people. So that's why, of course, I started, co-started this search party. You know, we're giving back to all of you. And the world is an incredible and beautiful and funny place, but it also is dark. A lot of it is dark, and I've been feeling very cynical. So I had this very cynical talk with, with um, the, the square-shaped uh, man at the, at the hostel when we were just chilling. And we talked about, you know, poverty and uh, inequality, which is a topic that I talk about a lot. In fact, I talked about it over breakfast with with some Colombian girls that I just met and they're, they're drummers that have come here for a performance and I think I might go, it's tonight, sold out, but they'll get me a ticket, you know, I'm with them. Uh, very, very cool, VIP, VIP. But here it would be una persona muy importante, which would be UPMI. I'm a UPM, I'm an UPMI, which is excellent. Um, so, I, you know, they were talking about Colombia and the protests, and I was talking about Colombia and the protests, and they said, where do you live? And I said, I live in Santa Marta. How do you like Santa Marta? Oh, I mean, it's terrible inequality and poverty and people that don't have food. I mean, of course, the touristic places are beautiful, but, and, you know, another thing, how do you like that? Oh, that was great too, but so much, so machista. And, and at one point, I think someone said, well, let's talk about something happier because <laughs> this fucking cynic over here, and it's, it's hard for me not, not to become cynical. So, you know, I was talking to the square-shaped head back in, in Hilitla, and we were talking about poverty and inequality and all these things, you know, because Hilitla attracts a, a very rich, I mean, he was talking about how there was a, a, a techno music festival in Hilitla at this surrealist sculpture garden, which is a gorgeous place. I mean, I think it's a world heritage site. It's amazing, one of a, one of a kind. Uh, this event just for rich people that came in helicopters and it was like $2,000, uh, I think it was $20,000 for a table. The cheapest ones cost like $5,000, etc. And he and his friend worked there and they made like 50 bucks working the whole day. You know, probably ended up being $4 an hour. No tips or anything. So we're talking about this, of course. I'm not the only one being cynical or realist about it. He is as well. And a kind of... You know, this was I, the, the day before I kind of kept to my own. I've been very quiet in the hostel. So this was the real, the only conversation that we had. Um, and it was a very enjoyable conversation, but it was a deep, dark conversation. That was the only thing he had ever heard from me. He didn't know anything about my personality. It was just some guy who was talking about inequality and how upsetting it is. And, oh, Abracadabra just texted me. Like magic. You know, when he, I see that boop, pop up notification, like, bam, there he is. Um... He disappeared for a couple weeks, and now, boom, here he is again, abracadabra. Um, so we had this conversation, um, and it was, it was, you know, an intelligent, I think. He's a very intelligent guy, and, and, and meaningful conversation and, and dark. And then he offered me some weed. I smoked weed. Now, we've talked about this on the show before. I get very high very easily. I had two puffs, maybe, yeah, I think two puffs of weed and got very high. I went to go take a shower thinking about my sister station. Not sexually, but just thinking about how E.T. swears. He'll swear by and, and we don't like him to do it on air because, of course, we're a family-friendly show. But E.T. will swear. He'll fucking swear about taking baths while high. I'd never done it. So I was starting to get high, and I was taking a shower. And... One of the, my main symptoms of when I get high is I will have lots of high thoughts. And I know lots of people have high thoughts. I'm not sure if everyone does. I become very almost hyperactive in my thinking. And I crack up. I will just laugh. 
because I'm laughing at my own thoughts. And so some people don't understand how this works. I've had some people ask me, like, why are you laughing? And I said, well, I'm, I, I'm high and I'm having high thoughts. They're like, well, why are you laughing? And I, I think to myself, well, it might not happen to you. If you're a dullard and you've got dull thoughts, you might not laugh at them. But I can crack myself up. I think I am funny, okay? I always have. I've always laughed at my own jokes. I laugh at other people's jokes too. I don't think I'm the funniest person in the world, but I think I'm very funny. And I hope you do too. And I hope you continue tuning in. Smash that subscribe button. But I'll have high thoughts and I will just laugh at them. So I was getting out of the shower, dried off, wrapped myself in a towel, was walking out of the, the, the bathroom and, you know, still sitting at that table where we had that deep, dark, meaningful talk was the square-headed employee. And he just sees me walk out of the shower just, <laughs> just laughing. And it was, I, I just thought that that was funny. That sort of contrast of just meeting someone, having this really sort of dark and cynical talk about wor world's inequality and, and shitty things. And then a little bit of weed. Next thing you see, he's coming out of the shower, just cracking up. It's like, oh, very easy to, very easy to get him into a better mood. A little weed in the shower, and he's he's loving life. So, that was an interesting night. I was the only one in the hostel, and you might think, well, well what about the square-headed employee? He left at around 9:30. He locked up, and I was just alone in this hostel with no employees, no volunteers, no cleaning staff, and no guests. Not another soul. And about 15 minutes after he locked up and I was sitting in bed watching Would I Lie to You, which we highly recommend to all of our listeners out there. I mean, still stay tuned to SFG. We're a different, I mean, we might have an overlapping audience because humor is humor. Um, and we, we really look up to and almost idolize lots of the cast on Would I Lie to You just like Ricky Gervais and his crew. I mean, we love that British humor, we really do. We'll get into that later on, huge heroes of ours. But still stay tuned to SFG, because we're, we're, we have a specific task. We're looking for a grandpa, our communal grandpa. So stay tuned. But I was just watching What I Lied to You, binge watching, I might say, I was probably on episode four, when I heard a, ro a roaring, bit of thunder and about 30 seconds later the sky just opened up so I, I should tell you that the the setup of this hostel made it very very vulnerable to this sort of raining episode aka storm because most of the hostel was open air to go to the bathroom you know you'd have to cross a, a good two meter stretch of open air hostel and I was in the dorm, and I was high. The skies open, and there's just a biblical, you know, a storm of biblical proportions. I was thinking about, you know, I was running through my brain thinking about if I knew an animal, you know, each species, and one of each, you know, I, I was, it was gonna be Normancito's Ark. It was crazy, this storm. And pretty soon, the wind picked up as well. So now I had doors just smashing into walls, you know, because uh, the guy who locked up didn't do a great job. Doors were smashing into walls. I think a window, a window pane popped out of a window and that broke. And I was the only one. Oh, here's a visa. Uh-oh. This is someone's visa card. It's Ban Norte. Impulso nomina. I don't know what that means. I need to make sure this gets into safe hands. Or maybe I should just destroy it. What do you think, listeners? Instagram poll. Should I look for the owner of this of this card? It's called Impuso Nomina, which isn't really a person's name. It's a type of card. So I don't think I could find whose card this was. Do you think I should just destroy it? Tune in. The poll is open for 24 hours. I will keep the card in my possession for 24 hours until we have the results from the Instagram poll back, whether I should destroy it or look for its owner. Or number three, shopping spree. Um, you know, of course, we would never do that. So I became basically the caretaker of this hostel under attack by a biblical sort of storm. A deluge, I want to call it, but I don't think that's the right word. 
in Spanish it would be diluvio, which is like flooded crazy. I mean, the dorm started almost flooding. And I was high and I was alone and I was freaking out. Power went out. I have videos. I will put the videos. Videos will go out to our sister station and up on Instagram and you can be the judge. Was I overreacting because I was paranoid and high or was I in potentially the biggest storm of all time and in charge of a hostel that had multiply, you know, multiple times offended me with their elitist policies of either Normancito is not gonna have fan access or Normancito has to go up to the top bunk. So shame on them. But I was able to close the doors, close the window and just go to sleep. I just closed my eyes and I thought, if this hostel floods, um, I'm going down with the ship. I'm going down with the ship. And luckily, next morning, beautiful morning, beautiful day, square head was back. Hey, how you doing? How was last night? It's like, it was crazy. It was absolutely crazy. So that's pretty much what's been going on with me. I'm looking forward to my talk with my, my shrink on Tuesday about how to not be so cynical about the world. You know, I was talking about, um, I mean, for me, it seems like I can smoke weed and just laugh. And laughing is a good way of, it's, it's a, humor is a good medicine. I think, I don't know who said that, Oscar Wilde, someone smart said that. Humor is a good medicine, is the best medicine to inequality. And I think also my, my shrink will say, well, it seems like you need to do something to help people. And I think that's right. So I will be able to do that if I have the search party support. Because of course the search party will help people, but also your Patreon support will help us fund, you know, I, this is another big thing I want to talk about. My, my, my situation, my economic situation has become so uncertain and even more squidgy. It's getting squidgier day by day that I'm afraid I'm going to be in a tremendous amount of debt by the end of the year. This is where you listeners can come in. You can fund, because right now I might have to go trim weed in California and I'm terrible with scissors. It's, you know that it was never on my seven-year-old playing card. It was a weakness that was noted by not only my my art teachers long years but my very parents have told me well just don't do anything with scissors you can do anything you want as long as it doesn't include scissors because you don't know how to use them but right now it's the only beat I have on on a job and that could preclude me or prohibit me from going to spend a month writing content incredible content for your listening pleasure and and more with our sister station live and direct from England from the mobile broadcasting slash dumping station that is the camper van I might not be able to do that if I'm in a tremendous amount of debt or I might not be able to do that regardless because I won't know if I'm in a tremendous amount of debt until it's too late until September October by that time I really don't have any money because I missed out on the weed season so that's where you could help your Patreon support. You know, what would, what would really be good is if, I, I don't know, I'd make $20,000 or something. Let's say $20,000 uh, to go to California and trim weed. What you guys could do is you could start a GoFundMe page, get $20,000 ready for me. And, and, but I think it's about 20000 What would be even better is that if we raise money to send someone with similar characteristics to trim weed, you know, send them to California, they can trim weed for me, okay? That person would then say, I made, you know, $12,000. Said, okay, well, send that to Normancito because that's, that's how much money Normancito would have made. Instead, he's in England writing what's going to be the, the next decade's best comedy with his sister station and longtime partner in crime, E.T. So that's $12,000 and then we would just compensate that person who trimmed the weed for me, my, my replacement, my substitute, we would compensate him fairly, but we would start a GoFundMe page for him. Let that be his problem, okay? You know, maybe we'll get him $5,000 and, and hey, that's more than he would have been making anyway. So we, we, we'll have to think about the logistics, but the squidgy situation is getting squidgier by the minute and it might preclude me from going to England which would be tragic. It would be tragic. And now that we're coming to our last five days here in, in Mexico, south of the southern border, we're starting to have a couple of these doubts. You know, we, I talked to my mother's station. I told her on her Mother's Day card that came with flowers 
I guess the flowers came with the card. That, that makes more sense. The flowers came with the card. On the card it said that I'll be back home in Boston the 27th or 29th, whatever it was. I didn't give her, I, I gave her the exact date, don't worry. Um, but she said, okay, well, are you going to settle down and, and find a job here? I said, no, I'm going to be a podcaster with ET. And she said, wow, competition's tight. I said, yeah, well, you, you literally raised me to believe that I could do anything. And, you know, maybe podcaster wasn't in your sights then because that was, that was 25 years ago. Podcasting wasn't even on the radars of, the, of the, the, the future podcasters of the world. But now it is. Doesn't that count? She said, no, I was just talking about everything in that moment. That was, I, you could do anything that exists now in 1995. I said, oh, shit. Well, damn. I guess podcasting isn't going to be it. But, you know, a little bit of negativity from her. And we've talked about it on the show before. Check, check the tapes. We've talked about how, you know, my mother station wants me close. And that's almost uh, an overpowering priority for her. Um, and I try to tell her, well, I think you should want me happy closer to close, you know, before you want me close. So well, I want you happy and close. And I think you could be both. And she might be right. We could be both. But right now our beats and, you know, looking for looking for grandpa, which you think she would be more concerned about. We're looking for grandpa in California, potentially. You know, we will be definitely looking for grandpa next week in California, live and direct from Yosemite, from Half Dome, where it's going to be one of the the coolest satellite studios we have to date. Will we have to go back to California instead of to England? You know, we're not sure. We're not sure, but you could help out subscribing to our Patreon, which is online now, I believe. Let's get that online because we need money stat. Okay, so that being said, we're gonna get into our show notes. Um, we always enjoy hearing ET's broadcasts. And as we know, sometimes we have better broadcasting conditions or outcomes than others. E.T. thought he was below average on his last broadcast. Was that because his penultimate, you know, the, the broadcast before his last was excellent? One of his top, you know, five, I'd say. Maybe. Maybe that's just the contrast. We enjoyed his broadcast regardless, but we understand that it's, it's not always easy. It's not always easy. And when we're looking at other podcasters, we understand that our format is an outlier. We've been outliers our whole lives. You know, no one, no one hits fava beans in the air like we do. No one kicks out lights with a, a wine cork like we do. You know, no one dominates, uh, you know, uh, a country and culture like we do. And that's not a nod to our colonial past. We're talking about maybe domination wasn't the right word. Maybe we're going to talk about appreciate and, and respect cultures and languages like we do. We're outliers. But what's also an outlier is this format. And it's up to you listeners to choose whether you want to keep this format, which I do, I do think sets us apart. It's a monologue format. It has its pros and cons. It's unique. It's interesting. It's stream of consciousness in a way that no other format could be. It's personal. It's relatable because we're just humans like you, listeners, unless you're bots. And then uh, 0011011, speaking your language, that's relatable too. So we're relatable to humans and bots, but we do so in a stream of consciousness format and let us know whether you enjoy that. It has its pros, it has its cons. What can a con be? Well, when one person isn't feeling there 100% during a broadcast and you're, you're doing a live traditional broadcast with two or three people shooting the shit, well, the other person could cover their slack a bit. We were, we've been listening to Ricky Gervais's radio show from back in the day, 2002. Ricky Gervais, Steve Merchant, Carl Pilkington. And we'll happily recommend that to all of our listeners because it is excellent. It is excellent. It's something to aspire to. Um, they talk about a little bit about their own lives. You know, they make fun of themselves. They make fun of each other. Uh, they, they listen to Carl. It's, it's excellent stuff. Sometimes, one of them, very rarely, one of them isn't at their best. The other can cover the slack. So that's, a, that's an advantage that we don't have on this monologue format. So I just wanted to mention that. And of course, as a broadcast of the people, you, the people, and bots, 0011, that's you and bot, can choose whether we stick with this format or whether we try something different or whether we combine both or whether we have this format for our normal free listeners and an actual live broadcast with both ET and I on at the same time shooting the shit, which is... You know, uh, you're not going to really see that anywhere else unless you subscribe to our Patreon. That could be our premium content. So let us know. But of course, we are trying something different. 
we're open to changing, but we do have a niche. And E.T. was, he, he was surprised that there were 2 million podcasts in the world, but he thought it was going to be more. So we're competing with 2 million people, but are we? We do have a niche, the humanitarian aid podcast niche. I think it's probably us and just, you know, you know the Red Cross search and rescue uh, FAMA station, which we do. We, we love tuning in to our, you know, they're competitors, but we, we like when they find their, uh, they, they have a better, a better rescue rate than we do. Their RR is higher. You know, they've rescued maybe 100 people um, since we've started. And right now, we're not worried about 100 people. We're worried about one guy, uh, one guy near and dear to our hearts. And we will find him. We will find him with your help, of course. But uh, we, 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 we can't compete in that sense. We can compete with entertainment. With the Red, I mean, the Red Cross Res Search and Rescue podcast, not that entertaining. Successful. Oh, today we found Elizabeth Minor, you know, who was not a minor. She was 19 years old when she was lost at sea. We found her alive and well. Like, yay, very cool. Not, oh, who's, you hear that? Okay, so this, this is something you see in Latin America a lot. This is just someone, you know, announcing that they're, and this is a, a common tape that you'll hear all over Mexico is this one lady that the junk removal services use her I mean I hope she's getting royalties from that because you hear it everywhere just saying stoves fridges couches whatever she'll take any junk and they sell it or they recycle it I'm not sure um, so the humanitarian aid pod podcast niche we don't have to compete with two million podcasts we have to compete with maybe ten so I do like that um, and of course, we did talk about our own shrink, upcoming shrink appointment, where we are going to be talking to uh, our, our, our shrink about not becoming so cynical, or how to avoid becoming so cynical in a world filled with inequality and, you know, uh, injustice, and thinking about people that we have loved and love that have been um, really sort of handicapped by these issues. I think about it a lot, and even more when I have downtime. You know, I've been having a lot of downtime recently. And downtime gets me down, I think, because I'm just thinking I'm not doing anything here. I'm just sitting around in Mexico. And there are people that are, you know, marching for equality in Colombia and being killed. There are people that I, I've loved and I love that have been affected by these inequalities. What can I do to, you know, I see, I see little kids. I often just stare at little kids thinking, <laughs> thinking like, I really hope that this kid has the same opportunities that I've had. You know, I hope this kid can travel when he grows up, but will he be able to? You know, I go through some, some poorer areas of Mexico and I, I get emotional just looking at little kids and especially little girls um, because, you know, the machismo, the gender inequality is so tenaz here. It's so fucked up that, you know, it's, it's just, it's, it's upsetting sometimes. So that'll be my talk with my shrink. E.T. hopefully will, in conjunction, be talking with the shrink about being ignored, you know, why he gets so upset when he's ignored by someone and um we'll we'll have to we'll have to relay here on this very podcast stay tuned of course to hear what our shrinks say et does not have a shrink yet i could recommend mine but she only speaks spanish so um it would be funny you, you know she's you could hire her as a shrink but she'd kind of more end up being your spanish teacher just, just practice. Oh, what do you talk about? I don't really know. She said something about my inner child being deprived of, I don't know, like maybe, what's that? Did she say, did she mention something about an uncle touching me? I, I, I'm not sure, but um, I, I do realize I have, to, I have to work on my past tense because it seems like there was a lot of stuff in the past tense that she was using I wasn't quite, I qu wasn't quite catching. Um, so very very important of course we do and one of our sponsors dr sarah is is a a, a a very important listener to this show and a doctor of the brain psychology which is just fascinating and we are huge supporters of mental health services and, and everyone taking care of their own their mental well-being because that's that's everything you know you go to the gym you stretch which i choose not to do did want to tell ET that no matter how inflexible you are, I will always be less flexible. So don't worry about that. Um, but you try to take care of your body, try to eat healthy, go to the gym. But if you're not taking care of your, your mind, 
then that's, you know, I think that's even more than half of it. That's 80% of it. So you got to you gotta be careful. That brings us to our next show note, which is Squirter's Envy. We hate to announce our show notes because that's amateur broadcasting, but to be honest, I don't know what Squirter's Envy is about. Um, is it because I'm a non-squirter myself? Yes. Am I envious of being a non-squirter? Well, I squirt my own way. I, I don't do the feminine squirting. I do the masculine squirting, which I do, I do enjoy quite a bit. But um, yeah, I'm not sure. I'm not sure how women, you know, my source, the source that I was talking to about this, I'm not going to name any names, although it would be just a coded name anyway. She told me that the time that she squirted, I think it might've been one or two times, she did not have an orgasm and she did not really enjoy it. So I guess to each their own, there are probably some women that love squirting. There are probably some women that don't love squirting. Um, so I think it's, it's, you know, it's a very individual and that's what makes it so beautiful. That's what makes it so beautiful because um, each of us can express our, our pleasure in different ways, squirting or not, uh, orgasms or not. It's, it's just a, a sexual world out there that uh, we can all learn from. And, then, and every sort of squirter or non-squirter is valid. We see you. You squirt, we see you. You don't squirt, we see you. We understand. So we, we want to give you credit. Um, Everyone should just be their own person, squirt or not. Tranquilo. ¿Cómo le va? Sí, a ver. Ah, tranquilo. Gracias, hermano. Hasta luego. Um, we apologize for that, that interruption. Just, um, you know, not everyone has. I, I had some coins there. I had some coins there and you can, if someone asks you for a couple coins and you have some coins to spare, you can spare them. And even if that cuts into your time about, about squirters, talking about squirters. Um, I also wanted to discuss, we discussed about it, we discussed a little bit, uh, something to do with our inner voice. Of course, I confided in you, our listeners and sister station that I consider my inner voice to be quite amusing. Um, and especially when I'm high, I can't help but laugh at what my inner voice says. Um, E.T. also talked about his inner voice on the last show. So I, I took that down as a show note and I did want to talk about inner voices. Um, I don't really remember what E.T.'s reference to his own inner voice was, but it's, it's an interesting thing. It's an interesting thing because I don't hear inner voices. I just hear one inner voice, which I think means that I'm healthy. You know, that's just myself. And I'm not, you know, there's, I'm not chattering, you know, I'm not chatting with the devil or with angels or anything like that. I think that's schizophrenia. But um, I find my inner voice to be, to be pretty funny. And I, I did think about how some people just don't understand how I could be laughing to myself when I'm high. And that's because their inner voice is not funny. It's just not. So, and that's kind of, our broadcasts are trying to get as close to possible as what it would be like for you all to hear our inner voices. These are our, our inner voices. Now they're just converting into our outer voices as well because you all are listening. So it's an interesting concept. Let us know if you like it. Let us know if you should change formats, but that's what we've got right now. Um, a revelation here about the first day of the week and for all you calendarologists out there, uh, it's, it's very interesting because ET considers Monday the first day of the week. I considered Sunday to be the first day of the week. And it is, in fact, not a personal thing. It's a cultural difference. And I sent to ET uh, a little screenshot of how I think, you know, the U.S., Canada, maybe a couple other places do consider Sunday to be the first day of the week. Doesn't make sense. It really doesn't. The rest of the world, it's just another thing that we try to set ourselves apart by. Um, you know, can't use the metric system. Can't consider Monday the first day of the week. To us, it's the second. And I did, I, I really knew that because when I'm teaching my little, my little Chinese kids English, a lot of times for the, the days of the week segment, it will say, it's, they pair it with cardinal numbers. Cardinal numbers are, of, cur of course, first, second, third, fourth, fifth, Ordinal numbers, I think this is it. Ordinal is like one, two, three, four, five. Cardinal, first, second, third, fourth, fifth. So my job chooses to 
pair the days of the week with the cardinal numbers. So they literally, the sentences these kids have to learn, it's very Americanized. Sunday is the first day of the week. And I'll ask them, hey, hey junior, what day of the week is Tuesday? And they'll have to respond, Tuesday is the third day of the week. If they say Tuesday is the second day of the week, I'd say, you're wrong. You're wrong, you're a loser. What are you, a Brit? You're wrong. So it's very interesting. Um, here I am getting from Anchor an audible, because I have one headphone in for whatever reason, an audible warning that where it says, heads up, the maximum recording time for segments is 60 minutes. Keep an eye on the clock. And I do have an audible sort of warning going beep, 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 which ET requested an audible really came through with. Of course, audible was always doing that. ET just didn't know because his phone's always on silent. That's a character trait of ET. If you didn't know, phone is always on silent. So can't really knock audible for that. It's just ET's own style. Phone on silent, not going to hear the audible warnings. Uh, but just a heads up, heads up to ET. Um, we do appreciate, of course, it's funny because on Ricky Gervais's radio show, they also very um, endearingly talk about their most embarrassing moments, which we did on our show without even knowing, independently. You know, I, I, I listened to that after we had already revealed our most embarrassing moments. Of course, E.T. just freezing, just freezing like a loser, like a big, tall, lanky loser in that canoe just freezing and ruining his team's opportunities at, to, to win this important race, just freezing. But that's okay, you know, it's over now. And of course my own, I peed my pants about six months ago, uh, maybe seven months ago. I passed the test after peeing my pants, which now I feel like I should reveal to the board, say, hey, I passed my exam. And now I can tell you, I was the one who peed his pants. You know, they, we know, we smelled the pee and we saw that you were drenched from your waist to your knees in liquid and we put two and two together, that that was piss. I said, oh, well, you know, I thought you'd give me a boost on my exam. No, you should actually probably take off some points because you're not a fully functioning adult if you're peeing your pants. Um, but very interesting how, how Ricky Gervais and friends also talked about their most embarrassing moments. I guess that's always a, a, a pretty good source of comedy. Um, we've had lots of embarrassing moments, but uh, and we've shared others as well, but those, those are ones that really stick out. They really stick out. Um, we're getting towards the end of our show. Um, checking my show notes, and there's nothing I really want to get into right now. Uh, of course, I do still hope to go to England in July and meet the family station of our sister station which is what be our sister-in-law stations, um, our sister-in-law's husband's stations, uh, our father, you know, just everyone. Uh, the whole family station would be, would be great and we would really enjoy it. And of course, our, our dog-in-law station, Ralphito. Darcy, but to a lesser extent, mostly Ralphito. That would be amazing. And we still hope it can happen, but it can only happen with your support. So listeners, Get those GoFundMe pages out. We need, we need thousands and thousands of dollars. But it's within our reach. You know, now that we have dozens of listeners, if each one contributes, so just just a thousand dollars, just a thousand dollars. I mean, come on. I was just telling you that these rich people in Hilitla, they paid twenty-five thousand dollars for a table, and you don't have a measly a thousand dollars to support to your favorite entertainers. You know, that will get me to England. A thousand from each of you. And, or we can send the guy to trim, trim weed for me. He could be a surrogate weed trimmer. Whatever it is, we hope it happens. We're going through a transition here. So you will, of course, be with us in this transition from Mexico back to the United States, looking for grandpa in California, then beyond in Boston, you know, with some familiar faces, some familiar names, American names, um, of course, still coded, but it's, it's, and one of them is, is, it's not, this isn't a coded name, Greg, it's his birthday today. I called him yesterday to wish him happy birthday. He said, today's not my birthday. My birthday is until Friday. And I said, oh, you're, oh shit, I thought today was the 15th. He said, no, today's the 13th, and my, but my birthday isn't the 15th either, it's the 14th. I said, oh, well, shitty friends, shitty friends. But once I'll see him again in five short days, we'll rekindle that friendship. And I hope to do that with 
everyone, and I hope to continue being your co-chair of the search party, Normancito. Until then, please, please stay tuned. Thank you.